uh, I can. Uh, I remember a few times. It's 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 beautiful when the children are honest with me, because I learn a lot when they're honest with me. They're mostly honest. I mean, I'm not saying that's rare or anything, but <laughs> well, I just remembered a time that, uh, and it's happened a few times, when one of the kids wants something, they'll go to one of the parents. Hey, Dad. And amazingly, sometimes when I say yes, they say, never mind. And then I can hear across the house, hey, Mom. And amazingly, I've heard it go the other way, too. They'll start with her. And it's, it's, it's funny because they're, what they're, whatever they're wanting to ask for or whatever thing they're wanting to discuss, they know that they want to find us in the right mood to discuss it. And so they gauge whether or not they're going to have that question or that conversation based on what they gauge as our mood on our response to, hey, mom, hey, dad. <laughs> and uh, I've noticed it more than once now where uh, if I'm focused on something else, thinking about something else, and the, the kid knows that I uh, am not ready to address whatever they want to address. And they start by, hey, Dad. Yeah, what? What is it? Oh, never mind. Nothing. And they disappear before I even get to change my, my attitude. <laughs> oh, that's just, they're funny that way. Um, that's why I said I think we might pray again. I wonder how many times, if, if we're honest, the Lord is wanting to talk to us, and our attitude is such, oh, yeah, what, what is it, Lord, what? What do you want? Never mind, I'll come back later. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not telling anybody that you've got the wrong attitude here right now, but I think it just is a good thing to make sure Anytime the Lord is wanting to speak to me, that I have the right attitude to hear from him and to know what he wants to talk to me about. So while you're where you're seated, seated, where you're seated and while you're seated, I think it'd be good if we just talk to the Lord a little bit more and just uh, let him examine us and prepare us. Lord. In the name of Jesus, God, I want my ears to be listening for the sound of your voice. God, I want my spirit to be open to the truth of your word. God, I believe that you have a word for me for this day, for this time, God, for this hour that I'm facing and that I'm living in. Jesus, I believe that you would speak to me. God, I believe that you would impart wisdom to my life. I believe that you would impart direction into my life and help and strength, God. I know that you would give all of these things, Lord. I pray that I am in a posture to receive them. I pray that I am in a position, God, that shows to you I'm ready to hear from you. A God that shows I'm not focused on other things. Lord, I'm not thinking about something else. God, I'm not just giving you partial attention, Lord, or, or a part of myself, God. Jesus, but I am surrendered to you. I'm yielded to you, God. I want my heart to be open. I want my spirit to be open to you. Come on, just pray it to the Lord. Let this be your prayer for a moment here. God, I give you all. I put all of my focus on you. I put all of myself, God, before you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, have your way in me. God, have your way in me, I pray. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, have your way. 
Father, have your way in us, O God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let the will of God be done, I pray. Let the will of God be done in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to invite Bishop Schoonover to come and, and share whatever he's feeling from the Lord. Amen. Thank you very much, Elder Flowers. I do have something that I would like to share with you <clears throat> from the scripture. Before we go there, uh, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about our recent trip. I have said to some that uh, travel is a romantic idea. It sounds great. And I can remember looking back and, and feeling like, wow, I, I would like to go to the Holy Land, the places where the Bible records history in the Middle East, and until I went. Okay, I know the feeling, and again, it's a romantic idea, until I went, saw what I saw, heard what I heard, experienced what I experienced, felt what I felt, okay? Uh, there's a lot of tourism in the Middle East. Now, the Muslims don't want you there, and the Jews don't want you there, and there ain't many, but... There's nobody left. Okay? Let me say that again. Muslims don't want you there. Jews in Israel don't want you there. Unless you're just going to leave your tourist dollars for them and their business. Um, we were in a hotel in, I'm going back 18 years ago. We were in a hotel in Jerusalem on what's called Shabbat. And on Shabbat, they don't cook. Therefore, they go and check in at a hotel. And they let the staff in the hotel cook their food and feed them. And they just kind of have a party. Now, literally, they have a Shabbat elevator. A Shabbat elevator stops on every floor all the time. You don't push, so you don't have to. Literally. Now, the worst part about that was our room was in close proximity to the elevator shaft. And we heard every stop on every floor. Okay? Now, that was in Jerusalem. Now, when I went to check out of the hotel, I was standing close proximity to the desk as there were others. And they would not acknowledge me. One after the other, they called for the others who were... Jews. We were obviously not, I guess. And so they would not even acknowledge us until finally I stepped in front of somebody. And then they acknowledged and let me pay my bill and check out. So again, travel to the Holy Lands is a romantic idea. If you travel with a group of Christians and there's a, a tour guide that can share with you a lot of things and have prayer meetings on the bus and things like that, that might be a good thing, but that wasn't the case for us. And so, again, I'm just, I'm just wanting you to know, how many worked a 40-hour week last week? Anybody? Okay, we were on the plane 36 hours. In a plain seat, seat belt on. I'm just telling you, travel is a romantic idea. That doesn't include security time, airport time. 
waiting time, transporter time. Again. But we, there, we had a purpose to be there. It was not tourism. Okay? And we were persuaded and convinced that we needed to make the journey. So for us, it was an endurance test. To simply be in the right place, the right time, be used of God the way that we believe that he would use us. And so, that was the journey. The second, night, the second day of the conference, I was asked to speak three times. Now, I'm, I'm not really given to speaking multiple times. Because I have a tendency to rip my throat out, and I exhaust myself in the first delivery. And so the second go around, it's a, again, it's an endurance test for me. But miraculously, in this particular meeting, it was there to do. The anointing was there, the strength was there, and so... Through those three different sessions that they split up with a break of about 10 minutes. And then when we were done and we were heading back to the hotel to get some rest. He said, you know, I was thinking about having the leadership over our house tonight. Would you be able to come and speak to them? I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to come. Whether I'll be able to speak to not that or not, that's another thing altogether. Okay? And, but here's what I said. I said, let's do question and answer. Okay? I, I don't, you know, I don't want to come and just question and answer, and I'm sure that'll help. There were two questions asked, and we went for two and a half more hours. There was a flow to minister. Matter of fact, we arrived two days early to try to get our bodies to adjust, which they never did. And so we spent time with the missionaries, and it was question after question after question. There was a lot of ministry just ongoing, 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 ongoing. I remember one time saying, look, we're going to have to take a break from this just to have a conference, and then we'll get back to this. So that was all very positive. Um, and we, we came away believing that we had obeyed the Lord, okay, that we were there in the will of God and that we attempted to do as he led, as he instructed us to. And so in that aspect, it was a very positive experience, but I made a statement to brother Sherry in the, in the leadership meeting that night, again, it went a couple of hours and uh, then we went into prayer and then there was a prophecy given and really the prophecy that came forth were things that we had talked about three days prior at a dinner table and so that was very interesting and unique and then the next day we went touristing one journey one trip one place we drove up to Mount Nebo. Mount Nebo is not like Mount Rainier. It's more like Brother Garcia's property over here on top of this hill, overlooking the Jordan Valley. Okay? And so the, the, uh, the skies were uh, overcasty and dusty, and so he, he pointed in the general vicinity and said over there would be what Moses would have seen as the promised land, and we were looking through the dust and the dirt and couldn't really see anything. And then over here, you know, so he was describing for us those things. And so after we, and then there was a, some kind of a chapel that some group had built up there. What's interesting, in that land, there's a lot of groups, organizations that have built monuments to these artifacts. Okay, so if they believe that that's the rock where Jesus knelt and prayed, they built an entire building over top of it. And they get bus loads of people coming in, and they go fall on that rock, and they swear that they have a spiritual experience. 
I go in and I see a rock. Yeah, well, it could have been. Or it could have been that rock over there. And so I said to Brother Sherry, I said, Brother Sherry, I felt more God in your apartment than I did on Mount Nebo or any other thing I've experienced here or in Jerusalem. I felt more God in your house. Now think about that for a minute. People get caught up in the past. People get caught up in the artifacts. People get caught up in the romantic ideas which are religious. When God is the God of right now. And he said, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And so even to go and stand and look at the temple. Again, it's, it's just the foundation. The temple was destroyed. It's just the, it's the cinder blocks that were underneath. They were girding that thing up. And people will give patronage to this wall of rocks. And the Spirit of God is not in those rocks. The Spirit of God embodies believers. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So that is, in summary, some of the experiences that we had there. We did meet uh, some wonderful people. They were Egyptians, Jordanians, uh, Congolese, uh, Sri Lankans, uh, various people. You know, there's a lot of contract workers from other countries that come into nations like that. And uh, for the most part, they work all month long and they get one day off. And there was a lot of Filipinos. And uh, a lot of, mo all those Filipinos are contract workers. In other words, they fly to a country under contract to be a maid a servant of some kind serving in a house where there are funds to pay them, keep them, and they stay in the house, and they are normally, again, employed and working all month except one day. And so the attitude and the spirit wherewith they come to a meeting is very positive. Very positive. Now, I came here tonight intentionally. I, uh, I, had, uh, I have some business tomorrow here early in the morning, so I thought I'm going to drive over the night before. I can be there in Union Gap. And so I, I intended to be here, but it was this morning early, somewhere between 3.30 and 4, that the Lord began to put uh, thoughts, words into my heart, my spirit, my mind, and evolved them and directed me in the scripture. And so when I make a statement, I'm telling you this is the statement that came to me while I was sleeping. I, I, I'm not coining a phrase or a title here. I'm simply sharing those things that the Spirit of the Lord began to talk to me about. Now, there were faces that came to my mind from here, and those faces are not here. Maybe they'll hear, they'll see the recording. I don't know. But I am obedient to the Lord. Okay? And you're here. And so what you do with what you hear is between you and the Lord. Okay? So I believe that the Spirit of God impressed me that this would be a make or break year. This year, a make or break year. Now that's a term that's normally used in business. 
you know, are we going to turn a profit? Or are we not going to turn a profit? And this is, you know, this is the make or break year. Something's got to happen. Okay, that's where that term would normally, I think, be used or often be used. But that's not how the Lord was using it with me. He was using it with me concerning young people. That it would be a make or break year for young people. Now, I've, I've been one that when, uh, when I see the advertisements for a youth convention or a youth camp or any kind of an activity... And the costs seems like have grown so much. The cost to send a, a kid to camp. What's youth camp cost this year? $250. If you got two kids, that's $500. If you got three kids, that's $750. If you got four kids, that's $1,000. That's a lot of money. To send kids to camp. But you know what I'm feeling this year? If you got to call your mortgage company and tell them we need to put one payment off, put it on to the end of the cycle because we've got to get our kids into youth camp this year. We've got to get our kids to youth convention because this is a make or break year. That's what I'm feeling. Whether it's a hyphen event for young adults, whether it's youth camps or youth, can, youth convention, whatever activities are put together to keep our young people on track, we need to go to every expense, any expense, whatever we got to do, because this year, this year is a make or break year for some young people. For some teenagers, and here's, let me tell you why, he gave me more. The media world is invading every family it can get a hold of. And where there are, uh, where there is little oversight over media, it is going to get a hold of, and it's going to completely turn or destroy some young people. Because this is a make or break year. It's already swung so far, we can't hardly believe it. Just the advertisements alone that are destroying the gender identity of Boys and girls and everything that's invading our schools. Filling the airwaves, music, movies. I don't even know if television still exists. Does it? Series, streaming. There was a caption that came across my computer the other day when I was on Amazon. Of course, it was a line of videos that were Amazon originals. And when I read the title, it struck me. It marked me. They're not going to stop. They're going to accelerate. Even though there are many families that have pushed back, the spirit of the world is going to accelerate and completely erase the identity of the family. What's right? What's wrong? What's proper? What's not? Never mind what's biblical. Never mind what the will of God is. And so I would encourage every grandparent... Every parent to be involved and not leave your child idle hour after hour after hour after hour. Now, look, I know there's not very many children here, and I know 
the oversight of these kids. But there's other young people involved in this congregation. And they need peer help. Peer help. Peer pressure. Positive peer pressure. Because if you think the media has already swung this far, I'm telling you, this year, I believe in the Holy Ghost. It's swinging this far. And it's going to try to take out as many as the spirit of this world, the God of this world, can. So this is what I'm saying to you. Every positive event, everything that others are putting together for the benefit of our children and our young people, we've got to do everything in our power to get them there, to encourage them to be there. Make a way for them to get there. Finances cannot be an obstacle. I'm telling you, if you got to put off a car payment, if you got to put off a house payment, put something back to the end of the loan, that this year you make sure that every young person in proximity to your situation, you get them there. You get them there. You support them spiritually, financially. Luke chapter 17 at verse 26. For more than an hour this morning, after the Lord began, He didn't stop. He just kept showing me, showing me, Showing me, persuading me, talking to me, putting it into my spirit because he wanted me to repeat it. Luke 17 at 26. <clears throat> and as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank. They married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom... It rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Now, we know that things have accelerated at a tremendous pace over the last 10, 20 years. Things that we would have never thought possible when we would even read this scripture and look at our own society, we'd think, oh my goodness, we're so far from that. How's that even possible? But now we are at the door. Now we are at the door. And I'm telling you, this is a break or break year for some people. And they are going to be pushed in their thought life. And the things that they've entertained and given themselves to. Will continually be a feed. And push them beyond reality. To a virtual reality. The tools that we have in our hand now. The devices. The screens. They're everywhere, and they're all sending a message. And it isn't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They are all sending a message, and they are turning the population away from God completely. We will see with our eyes the results that we would never have thought possible. Now, we have got to be actively involved. We have to engage. 
We have to be in prayer and we have to take action. We have to actively be engaged because the devil who goes about like a roaring, lying, seeking who he may devour is not going to stop. Matter of fact, the pace is going to pick up. I am alarmed at the acceleration of the pace because I can remember the days when it was not there. If it was there, it was in a closet. If it was there, it was hidden. But now, our good is evil spoken of. Let's pray. In the name of Jesus, give us boldness, I pray. Let it border brashness. Let us speak. Let us speak openly. Let us open our mouths, Father. Let us step in where we can step in. Let us say no where we can help. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. He that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. I spoke in Puyallup on Sunday on destiny. And the one thing that can, can, uh, can hinder can obstruct God's destiny for the lives of individuals is seeking to save my way, my will, my wants, my wishes, my life. But the promise of God is I'll lose it. So there's got to be a crucifying process. There's got to be a denying process. If any man come after me, let him deny himself. Pick up his cross. Come on, everybody's got a cross to bear. Pick up his cross and follow me. Because in so doing, we will find ourselves in fulfilling of God's purpose and destiny for our lives. There were some things that came to my mind. I don't want to verbalize them out loud. But I will tell you along the lines of media, music especially, where musicians and singers are projecting the ideas that are contrary to God. Well, I know that's nothing new. But the uh, striving to promoting an agenda and crossing genders constantly now. Erasing the lines, smearing, erasing, contrasting. And we have a world of young people that are listening to this stuff day in, day out. You don't hear it. You don't see it. It's in the eye piece, the earpiece. It's in the earpiece. It's in the headset. It's and it's day in, day out, day in and day. I have talked to some people that I wonder 
how can you be so crazy? You can't even rationale. Because it's what's been going in, going in, going in, going in. And their, their, their ability to rationale is being taken away. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to do everything I can. To help our young people, especially. Everything we can do. You, you understand how this changed for me? You understand how that 250 bucks that seemed like it sounded like that's just too much. That's ridiculous. How can they, you know? I'm completely turned around on that. Whatever it takes to get our young people. We have a planned meeting right now. We have this United service coming up on the 2nd of October. On the 1st of October, we have a, what we are calling a hyphen event in Puyallup that Brother Berglund is ministering specifically, the man that was here. And we are intentionally taking a direction for our young adults. If you know anybody associated specifically with this congregation or, or your family, I would do all in your power, all in your power to help them get there. Or reach out and get some help. Either way. Okay? This ain't much of a sermon, is it? Elder Flowers? Amen. I will do my part to communicate this message and this uh, word to those that are not here. Um, everybody needs to hear this and everybody needs to listen to this. Um, There are a few parents in here of children still. I don't know what, when I say children, I usually think of kids about my kid's age, but there's parents of children older than my kids and parents of children younger than my kids, and there's parents of children about the age of my kids here, here in here tonight. And uh, obviously many more that are not here tonight. Um, I try to exercise wisdom as in my role as elder of the congregation here to the degree of not telling you how to do your God-given responsibility. Now, part of my responsibility is to tell you that you have a responsibility and that you need to be doing it. That's, that's part of my role. But... There, it goes to a certain extent and then it stops and it stops being my responsibility and starts being your responsibility. That's the way God designed it. He doesn't have me parent your children. He has me parent my own children. I'm willing, I'm more than willing to tell you the ways that we attempt with God's direction to parent our children. I'm not necessarily willing to do that over the uh, pulpit because, like I said, I try to use wisdom with that. Um, if I ever feel from the Lord to do otherwise, then I, w I will. But um, in by and large, it's not going to do a great amount of good for me to come here to the church and tell you these are the flowers house rules. Do you understand that? That's not going to do you a lot of good. 
I mean, if, if, we, if we have the conversations one-on-one, -on -one, it might do you a lot of good, hopefully, and me too. Um, but I'm willing to do that with all of us. And I'm not even by any means saying that we have ever this figured out and you need to be doing things the way we do. I know I'm sure there are many instances where it's the opposite. But this is how we uh, grow together as a body. At one of your responsibilities, it's already been mentioned here, I don't know if you caught it or not, but one of your responsibilities, if you are the parent of a child that still is in under your parentage, one of your responsibilities is telling them no sometimes. Amen? I know that sounds really basic, and that's a... That's like parenting 101. You learn that with the toddlers. So, well, you should learn that with the toddlers. That I can't always tell you yes. I can't always give you what you want. And uh, this is not a partnership between, between me and you to figure out what's going to be best for us both. No. <laughs> it is uh, me as the parent setting the rule and the boundary, the guideline. been a few years now since I mentioned this, but the Lord brought it back to me a little bit while Bishop was ministering. Uh, you can go decade by decade and say, well, in the 60s this happened, and then in the 70s this happened, in the 80s this happened, in the 90s, and the early 2000s this started to change, and this happened, and this. So, by and large, your age and your stage of development in those time periods have a great deal of reflection upon how you view that time period. I wasn't alive in the 60s, so I view it based on the knowledge and information imparted to me by those who were. I was born in 1985, so I don't, have, I don't remember a whole lot of the 80s either. I know some things happened in the 80s that... Uh, I could tell you through history happened. But I was alive in the 90s. And in 1990, I was five. And in 1999, I would have been 14. If I did the math right. So from five to 14-ish, I can tell you a lot about society and what transpired in society in the 90s. And then, the 2000s, I was still learning about what happened in the 90s and what it meant to us at present day, then, and, and all the way up to now. I remember my brother did a uh, book report, school report of some kind on the president at the time. And I, like some of my kids now, I'm just lear I was just learning what, what does it mean to be a president? Who is this? What do they do? What's their responsibility? And why do they matter? And all those things. Well, if I do again recall correctly, 1992, the election that went to Bill Clinton. Do you remember that? Now, don't worry, I'm not going to get political. I don't, I'm not trying to take anybody's wind out of their sails or put any wind into anybody's sails. But if I remember, it was 92 that he got elected? I think it was. He took office, came in there, um, and most of the 90s, because he, he was uh, two terms, so that gets us all the way to 2000, most of the 90s was under his um, presidency and leadership. Now, I don't know enough politically to tell you all the good and all the bad that took place during his presidency. But I do, again, I was a child turning into an adolescent and to a teenager during that time frame. And that's why I say in the 2000s and later, I started to realize, man, you re this really happened in the 90s? 
our country went through this and and uh, society looked like that and these things started to happen and were allowed and and everything now I'm just telling you my experiences because those were my my formative years and what what shaped the world around me that I grew up in and like I said you can take that decade by decade or, or time period by time period and say, well, here's the point of what I'm trying to tell you. The mystery of iniquity doth already work. That's what the scripture says. It's in the world. It's, it's been working in the world and it's still working in the world. And the book tells us that it will increase. It will increase. Now, it's a paradox almost because it's going to get worse and worse and worse, but it's also going to get like it was in the days of Noah. This struck me when Bishop was reading this. Those, those scriptures, they were, married, they, were, no, they were eating and drinking. What does that mean? That means, for the most part at least, everybody had food and drink. That alone... Is something that needs to be understood about the coming of the Lord because there's enough people out there with the misconception that there's going to be some uh, weird fallen society and dystopia where nobody's got food and drinks and nobody's got the, the only ones that saved up are the ones that bought and you know stored up and they got it hidden underground or, or what. And then we got it, so we're nowhere near that point yet. Well, 2019, we were, 2020, we ran out of toilet paper pretty fast, didn't we? That ought to taught some of us something. But, but people just think, well, no, the day of the Lord's going to be like, you know, there's, there's Armageddon's going to happen, and people are, you know, going to run out of food, and, and there's not going to be any of those things. And then maybe I'll start to get serious about life when stuff gets bad like that. What is that? That's a, that's a misrepresentation of the Word of God, but what is it? It gets into the mind of people, and they think, I'm okay for now. I mean, sure, every year might be getting a little bit more difficult, but I mean, we still got food in the grocery stores. We still got all of our needs met. No, they were eating and drinking. They were marrying and giving in marriage. They were going about their normal daily activities when the Lord decided, now's the time. So whoever out there might be thinking, I can gauge when to get right with God based on the world around me, you need to hear the word of God tonight. Like Bishop said, it's make or break time for you and for me. Let's stand and let's pray together. Lord Jesus, God, I hear the sound of your voice speaking to your people tonight. God, I pray that those that have an ear to hear, Lord, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the church tonight. God, I pray that this call, that this word, uh, Jesus would get into my spirit, God, and that it would not only cause me to just reflect momentarily, God, but that it would cause me to find a place of seclusion with you, God. Uh, Jesus, that it would cause me to find a place of reconciling with you. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray it right now in Jesus' name. Let this get into our spirits, Lord God, and let it become that which directs our lives. Let it become that which directs my day and my time. In the name of Jesus, God, I believe it. The hour is short. God, I believe it. No man knows the day or the hour. Jesus, but I know your spirit is working in this world. Uh, God, I know that your voice is speaking and calling out to your people, to your children right now. 
God, I pray, let our ears be open. God, I pray, let us be willing to set aside distractions. Let us be willing, God, to turn off distractions, Lord. Whatever might be taking place, God, and making it difficult to hear you or know your voice and your word, God. I pray, let this word be alive in our hearts. In the name of Jesus. God, I pray, touch these parents right now, God. Jesus, I pray, give them wisdom from on high. Give them wisdom from on high, God, to know how to carry out the responsibilities that you give with the help that you give. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray, revelation and understanding in the name of Jesus. God, I pray over the homes in the name of Jesus. God, I pray let the Spirit of God rest in each home. Let it be the priest of each home, Lord. God, I pray let it make the decisions. Whatever needs to be determined, God, let it be put before You in the name of Jesus. God, in Your name. God, in Your name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, God, give us wisdom as your body to know how, Lord Jesus, to go about these days. Give us the direction from your spirit, I pray, God. We yield our time to you right now, Jesus. We yield our calendars to you right now, God. In the name of Jesus, God, we want you to have your way. In Jesus' name, I thank you for it, God. I thank you for speaking to us tonight, Lord. Thank you for speaking your word to us, Lord Jesus, for giving us this direction. I, I'm thankful, God. I receive it tonight. I receive it tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. You're dismissed. We have pumpkin cookies.